Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report Season 9, last episode of the year and the decade. It's pretty amazing. And it took today's guest five years to finally get on my show. It's Vova Feldman of Freemius. If you don't know Vova, I mean, he's the entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Uh, obviously, I've known him for five years as he slid into my Twitter DMs asking to be on the show when he started his business before he had any customers. Uh, just working that hustle, uh, trying to get his name out there. But he's smart, he's intelligent, he's persistent, and he's doing a damn fine job, if I say so myself, with Freemius. And if you don't know Freemius, it's like this all-in-one platform. If you wanted to sell digital downloads, uh, WordPress plugins, software, you need a licensing model, but you need more, like marketing, data, analytics, sales stuff. That's what Freemius does. And we're going to talk about that journey today and really dive into, you know, how he solved this problem. Looking back, would he make the same pivots and adjustments? And uh, what challenges is he facing so far? And he, like myself, talks to a ton of WordPress businesses. So he has his finger on the pulse of how things are changing in this landscape, especially post-Gutenberg and where... Uh, this new building experience is going to take us. Maybe even see Freemius on a SaaS platform someday. <laughs> uh, maybe he'll be venturing into the microconf scene more and more, as a lot of WordPress people do as they sort of quote-unquote graduate from this space. All right, it's Mariport.com. Mariport.com slash subscribe, join that mailing list. Let's get into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Matt Report, Season 9. Guess what? Season 9 is coming to an end because the year 2019, for most of us, is coming to an end pretty soon. And uh, who better to kick off 2020 to end a decade than my good friend, Vova Feldman. Vova, welcome to the program. Oh man, thanks for having me. That's a crazy introduction and I have to live up to the expectations right now. <laughs> Listen, you we've we've been friends. I feel like we're like there's a there's a hand select few people that I would say are really good friends of mine in the WordPress community. And though we haven't spent all too much time together, we spent a few WordCamps together really getting to know each other and really chatting. Famously, one time. Me, you, Scott Ballinger, we wanted to go to a nice steakhouse. And you were like, how much does this cost? <laughs> <laughs> and since then, we've been good friends ever since. So I'm, I'm super excited to have this conversation today. Only took five years, man. <laughs> it only took five years. I do remember. I do remember. So let's just talk about the hustle for a little bit. Um, we were chatting before we hit record and freemius, and we'll get into your introduction in a moment. Freemius, which is your company, started, um, it's going to have its fifth birthday pretty soon, right? You said 2020 February, right? Yep. And I remember you reaching out to me uh, when you first started the company, and I think it was when you were going to Oppressnomics. And I think that's what it was, or it was a WordCamp Miami. And, and you DM me and you were like, I don't know, you're just like, hey, I'd love to re record a podcast when we're together or something <laughs> like that to that effect. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like, who is he? Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, then, and then the bond was formed ever since. But let's, let's get into the professional side of the show. Let's introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Sure. Uh, so I am Vovo Feldman. I'm the founder and CEO of Freemius. 
uh, Freemius is a managed e-commerce uh, for selling WordPress plugins and themes, uh, which means that we provide a suite of solutions, including uh, accepting payments, uh, subscriptions, managing licensing, uh, software updates, basically. Well, when I first heard of Freemius, I said to myself, hot damn, this guy's got some competition. He's got some deep-rooted competition because although there isn't, at the time anyway, five years ago, it wasn't like big brand competition, but it was more of like trust competition, if that makes sense. There were a few trusted solutions in the community, and I was like, how is he going to uproot people that have been you know, trusting these individuals for building, let's say, a licensing platform? And I guess there was WooCommerce too, which does digital downloads, but maybe not a direct competitor, maybe an indirect competitor. But but tell me, what what was that like when you when you first jumped into the market? What was it like trying to sell this platform to developers who aren't really, I don't know, they're they're not really forward thinking on the business side of things. Most of them, uh, it was very very challenging, uh, and probably if I knew about all those platforms. Uh, I think that the ignorance actually helped me to, you know, start Freemius because I was not aware about many of those things. Uh, so it was very challenging. And the best evidence for that is that it took us about a year to find the first customer. So just to give you how hard of a sale was that. <laughs> What were those early rejections like? I mean, what were people saying? Were they saying like, mm, not nah, don't really don't really want to switch," or "I really love the competition"? Like, what were those early challenges that it took you a year to finally land somebody? Sure. Uh, so before uh, we start to build anything, uh, the first thing that I've done is uh, customer or you know users discovery and discern if there's an, an actual need in the market for a solution like that. So I started to reach out to a bunch of people in the community. I was not part of the community back then, even though I did have a plugin business in the WordPress space, I was never involved. Uh, so I started to, you know, call email people, including you, right, to get feedback uh, and get as much information that I can about that field. Um, and Fairly quickly, I realized that the market is kind of divided into three. Uh, there are developers that have a free plugin or a theme. They do it for fun. It's a hobby. They don't care about making money from that. Uh, the second uh, bucket is developers that had a free product. They ran it for a while. They're pretty excited about their side project, whatever it is. And they understand that there is a you know, potential financial benefit here and they're interested to look for a solution to maybe start making you know, some money for the weekend initially and later turn it to something bigger. And the third bucket is you know, businesses already plugging in developers that making money, they're running something, they already have an e-commerce system in place that is working. Um, so in the beginning, I understood that it will be hard to get the third, uh, you know, the, the third segment of the market uh, because, like, just like you said, you know, when you're just starting, you still don't have, you know, any uh, proof. You don't have success stories. It's really hard to uh, bet with your business on 
uh, a brand new business, right? So I understood that this is something that will be hard and uh, probably not the best segment to start with. On the other hand, uh, the offering and what we're thinking to start with in the beginning was super compelling to developers that just starting in and want to get into monetization. Because uh, the way you, I envision that is you will be able to start selling, take a, take a free plugin, turn it into a freemium. And this is one of the reasons why the company called Freemius, Freemium Subscriptions, this is how it started. Uh, so the goal was that you'll be able to achieve that in a matter of 10 minutes. Uh, while the other solutions that are out there, it still takes time. Even though they're relatively simple, it can take you a few weeks until you can actually spin spin up uh, a digital e-commerce website to sell plugins and themes with all the systems in place. You'll need to buy a bunch of add-ons, extensions, all of that. Uh, so this is uh, that was our strategy, I would say, on the first two years to get those developers that are just starting uh, or they already selling, but they're still not selling a lot. Uh, and another thing that we discovered uh, during the discovery process is that it doesn't matter who I've shown it to, everyone were excited from having analytics. So for us or for me, it was very clear. My background is startups and software as a service. So I don't know any other way how you can run a business that processes money and you build a product without actually knowing you know, the data behind that business. So one of the uh, obvious features that we had in the beginning was analytics. So after I saw that everyone were excited from that, doesn't matter whether you make money, you don't care about making money, or you're just starting, is everyone wanted to get some analytics because right like today there is no analytics in the WordPress space. So that was one of the reasons that kind of the first product that we actually launched was Freemius Insights, okay, which is pretty much a subset of the capabilities of Freemius as a penetration strategy to start building the relationship with the developers that either are already selling, and we know that it will be pretty hard to get them on the first you know, year or two. And it's also compelling to developers that don't really care about monetization today, but maybe in a year from now, maybe in two years from now, they'll consider monetization and they're already using Freemius. We already built some sort of relationship. They're using RSDK. And the transition from that to starting to sell, it, it's minor. Like the amount of work that you need to do is a matter of configuration in the Freemius dashboard. So that was kind of the overall strategy. It was clear to me from day one that it's a long-term play. It's not something that, you know, like a unicorn in a year that will have all the market. Sure, sure. I mean, so let, let's frame it. Let's frame it. We have, you know, most folks are are distributing their plugins through wordpress.org uh no stats of relative you know impact on our business right that we get right we can see some download counts right we can see some average ratings but wordpress doesn't really help a vendor you know push or analyze their product sales um you have customer you have competition that's sort of rooted in the community Right, folks that are offering plugins that just everybody knows, so they just trust that you know that particular brand and they go with it. And then there's bigger branded competition like the WooCommerce's of the world, and and maybe some other competition outside of the WordPress space, but nothing significant. Um, 
but like you said, the big challenge for most developers really isn't the tech stack. It's just most people are like, ah, I, I'm not really trying to make a business out of this. And if they are, a lot of these, which is always laughable to me, is like, ah, whatever happens, happens. Like, I'm not really, I'm not really trying here. I'm just, eh, it's nice to make $5,000 a month while you and I might be looking at that going, but this is a business. <laughs> you know, you're running a business here. You've, over the years, I've seen you not only obviously talk and market your product and the benefits of the product, but I've seen you dive deep into business. Uh, I don't want to say business coaching, but you do a lot of content around helping businesses grow. We, we also do coaching in some way. Absolutely. It's, it's part of our offering. Yeah. So the, the way we see that, uh, unlike our competition, our business model is revenue share, which means that if we can help our partners, and we, we call them partners, even though they're like customers behind the scenes, but we treat them like real partners because if we can help them become more successful, uh, we are benefiting from that directly, selfishly, whatever you want to call it, our interests are aligned. So if we can coach them and help them with you know a conversion rate optimization or pricing structure or different tricks or whatever it is, we are interested and have that incentive to constantly help them. Uh, and I am having calls uh, with like different partners of ours. Right now, it's not very structured, and this is something that we do want to get into more in the future uh, once we grow the team to actually put a system in place that will do all these things um, uh, more systematically. Uh, but even today, we are having uh, calls with our partners and very similar to coaching or mentorship. And, you know, we're learning about their pains and trying to help them to get to their next milestone. So we are definitely doing that. And we're trying also to share all of that data in our blog. Right, right. And I mean, that number one, that's, it's awesome. Like everything that I've seen you do from carrying the brand from, you know, start to, you know, here we are almost five years into this. Uh, you've just done a fantastic job of it. I do have to take a step back and, and recognize like seeing your growth, you know, just from a branding perspective and shaping the product and shaping the content around it, which sounds easy when you just say that it's not. <laughs> and you've done a really good job at that. I mean, thank you. You know, I really you, appreciate you, that. I mean, I, you know, it might mean peanuts to you because I'm not giving you money. Oh, it's not peanuts, man. It's not uh, but, peanuts. It's a lot but, of hard work. Yeah, but but you've done a, you know a fantastic job, better than uh, better than most, and better than most that I've seen around for you know ten years. So let's talk about that. So here we are, you know, five years into this. I've seen, you know, I've seen just a big shift of either just con straight up consolidation, where small plugins, small theme shops are just getting scooped up by the bigger players. And by bigger players, I mean like big hosting companies like a GoDaddy of the world uh, or a WP Engine. Uh, and other larger plugin companies scooping up the, the same. Um, I've seen a lot of people shift their business to SaaS, right? With the introduction of Gutenberg uh, over a year ago, the whole fallout of the community felt like people that were like really just building their weekend project plugins were like, you know what? I'm just going to go look elsewhere. So I've seen this shift in the landscape landscape happening. Um, what about you? Like how has the last couple of years impacted your sales pitch, your offering? Uh, and where do you see it all going for the next year? 
Wow, man, you, you raised like five different topics that yes. we can talk about every one of them <laughs> for an hour. Uh, there's definitely more uh, mergers and acquisitions in the market um, because I know many of the product people in the community, uh, they reach out to me when they're interested to sell or to buy stuff. Uh, so I can tell you that earlier this year, there were like a few months that literally like every second day someone reached out to me and you know i'm buying i'm selling something about that so there are changes uh and i think a lot of that is related to gutenberg uh obviously the editor is kind of shifting and a lot of plugins and themes uh, relied on the way wordpress worked before gutenberg and now in order for them to stay relevant, okay, for the next year or two, it requires significant changes. Um, and a decent amount of the plugin and thin businesses in our ecosystem are what I call in maintenance mode. Okay, so it's not something that is visible, but they don't really have heavy development. Uh, it's more about, you know, supporting the product, making sure that it's, it remains active and up to date with all the APIs if it integrates with something, but there is not a lot of heavy development there. And I think that the, uh, you know, all that Gutenberg movement kind of scared many people. So uh, many people started to look for exit points uh, to, to avoid the situation that, you know, in two years from now, uh, when they want to sell, they won't be able to sell it to anyone because it's you know not relevant to Gutenberg, in, uh, not compliant, and all of that. So that's kind of the acquisitions. Definitely, we also see things. Uh, this is not something that I particularly see, but we all see in the community that the hosting companies are starting to become more aggressive and acquiring uh, different products, theme shops. We have the Studio Press acquisition. Uh, and other things and also i would say there is a general like the market is maturing if five years ago you know not many we, we were you, i don't know if you know that man but you were the only wordpress business related uh content outlet five years ago so you, you were kind of my inspiration when it comes to content back then thank you yeah <laughs> for I sure. an impact yeah yeah for sure uh, so people were kind of scared to talk about those business topics and raising the word money when it comes to WordPress. Uh, but the market really matured, uh, since, you know, in the last five years. Uh, so I think also the hosting companies matured. Uh, I was pitching different ideas to hosting companies, uh, since I started, uh, things that I, I still uh, can't talk about. But they're much, if it was, you know, big no-no four years ago, because it was, no, 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 we don't want to deal with Matt. We don't want to, not you, the other Matt, okay? <laughs> we don't want to do anything uh, that will, you know, risk our uh, relationship or whatever it is in the community. And now they are more aggressive. And now they see that, you know, also automatic becoming more aggressive, with WooCommerce and Jetpack and the things that are moving. So th there is a clear 
consensus in the community that those big companies, okay, it's not a shame. We want to, we all understand that the WordPress market share is huge. And now it's the time to capitalize on that. And I think that the hosting companies and Automatic, which is also a hosting company in one way or another, they're becoming more aggressive when it comes to, you know, maximizing the dollar amount per user. I agree. I mean, you know, one of the, when people, you know, when I, when I, when I put on my, you know, conspiracy theorist hat and I, I I love your hat. I love that (laughs) hat, by the way. (laughs) You know, when I, when I talk about Gutenberg, look, I, I actually have been using Gutenberg as just like an end user, sort of enjoying it on a, on a particular set of themes. Like I like it on 2020. I like it on the Chaplin theme, both developed or designed by the same designer. And I find, I find that it's an actually a pleasant experience when I don't need full on page building, you know, tools. Um, But the other side of it is, what I'm predicting is we're just moving to the sassification of WordPress for the benefit of Automatic and Jetpack, right? And the next battlefield will be the block discovery uh, tool. And, you know, having developers, third-party developers, uh, you know, your customers, my friends, be able to show up in those search results so that they can continue their business. So when I put that hat on and people think this, like, he's just, you know, he's just ranting about he doesn't like Gutenberg. No, actually, I've been rather enjoying it. But I just know that, you know, why haven't we ever seen a marketplace on WordPress.org? Why hasn't there ever been an official store that you can go to aside from WordPress.com? That's because I think that Matt Mullenweg knows the greater approach, obviously. He's the architect here. And he knows that, look, if I can kind of reset search and, and, and discoverability through the method of blocks, I can, I can now control you know, that experience and I can bubble up automatics solutions ahead of anyone else. And oh, by the way, if we can search for blocks across the internet, on any platform that Gutenberg is installed on, which is, you know, people point and laugh at me when I say that. Like, I literally think that in two years' time, you'll see SaaS-based businesses that have absolutely nothing to do with WordPress running an implementation of Gutenberg. And oh, by the way, you can monetize it through that. Um, you know, it's it's the SaaSification. It's everything you've ever wanted to build in a SaaS app with data and touch points. Uh, and automatic is going to own that experience through Jetpack. And it's definitely going to change the landscape, which leads me to ask you the question, what about Freemius in an open market? What about Freemius detached from WordPress, but, you know, MicroConf attendee wants to build her new SaaS app and they can attach, you know, abandoned cart analytics uh, you know, user authentication or user email list building, whatever, all of the features of Freemius, but detached from WordPress. Is that the next journey is, or is that relatively uh, a tough mountain to climb? Would you mind if I wear my renting hat too for a minute? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I love your hat too. <laughs> Great. Uh, so I actually think, you know, the, the fact that automatic control search is only happening, is already happening right now and been there for years already. Like the default search engine of products uh, connected to WordPress is WordPress.org. And, you know, when you go to search for plugins and themes, 
what you see there is the featured or recommended that most of that is automatic already. So they also control the search for plugins and themes today, if you think about that. Uh, moving back to the... And, 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 and let's let's keep our hats on for just one more second. Okay, no problem. <laughs> listen, listening to the word, uh, the state of the word, um, you know, uh, Matt briefly mentioned, um, you know, uh, well, we're selecting. I forget how. I'm just going to paraphrase here, but the general uh, feel was, uh, we know people were searching for these blocks, uh, or we just knew people were searching for these blocks. Well, how did how did you know? Were you able to? access the .org search data or data somewhere else? And why doesn't every vendor, every developer have access, you know, to that same, you know, information? And, and again, people are like, oh, you're overthinking it. No, no. What this all means is that small plugin developers who are using their revenue to feed their families will slowly disappear. And that's the battle that I, that's the reason why I question these things. Anyway, yeah. that's it. That's all. That was just a so it, it's definitely a huge competitive advantage when you can access, you know, the search data to see what is the demand for. Uh, and I think that this data, it, it's not a new discussion. Uh, it's something that's been in the community for a while. I do think that this data should be available. Just like Google Trends, we should have, you know, workers.org plug-in the Teams Trends. The same concept to kind of see what are, you know, What's going on in the market? Uh, it can give a huge competitive advantage in terms of uh, what products to focus on or to build or how to optimize SEO and things like that. Um, yeah, okay. Let's move to freemius and SaaS and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so the hat is off. Uh, so <laughs> for now. For, for now. now. Yeah, for now. Uh, so freemius right now, uh, like... The engine itself is platform agnostic. So uh, we have a licensing engine, uh, code repository, updates engine, uh, card abandonment recovery, affiliation, all of that. It has nothing to do with WordPress. Okay, currently we support selling plugins, themes, and also SaaS. So if you do want to start a service with Freemius, you can do that. The difference, and this is why we're kind of focused on the WordPress ecosystem, is the WordPress SDK that we offer plugin and theme developers. And the reason it is so powerful is the whole premise of, you know, 10 minute integration. Uh, that's the only way that you can do that. The benefit in WordPress is we know exactly how the dashboard looks like. It looks the same for everyone. Uh, we know the structure. We know where we want to put, you know, different menu items, different pages, different visual components and logic. So this is why we're focused. This is one of the reasons why we're kind of focused on the WordPress space. Uh, the second reason it's the largest market share and it's the least monetized compared to other ecosystems. So the potential for us as a company is the highest here. Uh, but we do think to expand Freemius in the future for other similar environments when you have a core platform and what we call distributed software, which is basically the opposite of SaaS code that is running on device, on a server, on your browser, on whatever it is, and is not connected to a backend. Because all those challenges that WordPress plugin and theme developers are facing 
is also relevant to browser extensions. It's also relevant for HubSpot themes for landing pages. It's also relevant for all these other uh, NPM uh, packages or whatever it is. It's all the same stuff. Uh, so we are planning to expand there in the future. I don't think it will happen in the next two years because the WordPress market is still growing and we are far from you know, getting the market share that we want to be in. And is, is the, or have you started to see, I'm um, trying to bridge the gap, like have you started to see your current WordPress customers uh, start to explore uh, a traditional SaaS market? Like I, I know that like the big goal is still WordPress. It's still the, the easy one to, to consume for you and your company, but have your customers started to, to make the shift away from WordPress? Have you noticed a trend at all? I guess is the, is the question. Yeah, I actually, I don't see a trend of, you know, plugin developers moving to SaaS, to be honest. We do get requests, you know, and questions about how to integrate freemius with SaaS. Um, but I don't feel that at least from our partners, that people are suddenly moving to SaaS right now. We do see much more Gutenberg, you know, products built in. Uh, so th this is a challenge uh, also on our end. In some cases with SDK, because it's all JavaScript based and React based. So all the licensing stuff, we suddenly need to think how we, you know, uh, add that inside the SDK. So we do see much more Gutenberg stuff being built, but I don't see a trend of SaaS. One of the things that I think is really going to be, a, you know, a clear winner, and I and I, I'm saying this cautiously because it's a semi quasi competitor to you, is is WooCommerce, right? So recently, uh, I spun up uh, a merchandise store for the for the podcast, and I used WooCommerce as an end user for like the first time in you know over I don't know over a year since I had really like set up an e-commerce store, and the you know the the WordPress purist in me was like, damn it, I have to enable Jetpack because you can literally not move around the website without a massive banner following you around to enable Jetpack, and I had to enable um, from WooCommerce. Yeah, like there was just like this massive banner that just kept. Okay. It was one of those things where it was just like, if I was a typical end user, which I was in that point because I literally had no time to really think about this and set it up. I was trying to get it set up before WordCamp US. It was like an idea that sprung on me. So I was like, I got a couple hours, I'm going to build this site. And it was just one of those nagging things. Like every time I logged in, it was this big jetpack banner. Uh, then there was like this, like this third like WooCommerce service that I had to enable. And, and, and again... Without me like spending time, like what am I really enabling here? I was just like, okay, fine, enable it. <laughs> like just, just get out of the way. Like I just need to start building. Um, at the end of the day, I was able to put together a store rather quickly as an end user, put it together rather quickly. And the Gutenberg blocks that were available allowed me to quickly add, you know, the handful of products that I had on a homepage without me ha even having to set up a page builder, right? I just, it just worked. And to me, that's a signal of where automatic is really going to win over the next couple of years is you're going to, you're going to be able to do all of these things with Jetpack, contact forms, e-commerce, membership, gated content, um, you know, pop-ups because they integrate with MailChimp. 
you're going to be able to do these 12 things that you normally reach out to six or seven plugin vendors to buy. You're just going to do it all with Jetpack. And what's going to happen is people are just going to say, you know what? Screw it. It's just easy. It's just easy for me to do it. So I'm just going to do it. I'm going to succumb to the Jetpack, the automatic offering, because it just took me two seconds to enable everything. Um, all of that is to say is like, that's where I see the beauty in your platform. Because you're you're solving the same thing for people on, you know, a software licensed business model or subscription based business model. You you've got all the tools around it, um, and you're like, you don't have to install seven thousand plugins or go to five different vendors. We we just do it all here, um, you know. And and I think that that's really where you're going to win. Is is that a fair shake right there to say like, yeah? Because I mean, right on your homepage, it, you're saying that you're 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 solving this complexity. Are you getting that same? signal from your customers they're just like yeah this was damn this was easy uh, i think so it's two things that the easiness and the fact that everything is out of the box but the second difference is uh the difference between uh self self-served software versus software as a service so one of the challenges with woocommerce or edd um is that you need to, you know, you, you get that software, but it's still your responsibility to maintain that. Uh, and, you know, if there are bugs or issues in the code, which happens to every piece of software, it's just a matter of time until you, you know, you, you hit a, a case that triggers those uh, bugs. You either need to fix it yourself or you need to wait for an official release. And that's quite challenging when you have, you know, like a dozen of, add-ons, not necessarily all of them are developed by the same team. Uh, and every time you need to update one of them, you are kind of risking your website uh, not to function as it should because of compatibility issues. So when you have a solution, like one in all solution that built by the same company and all the features are working together, you don't have to deal with those maintenance challenges. So if there's an issue because it's SaaS, uh, you know, we get the reports and we can just fix them. So it's fixed for everyone. Uh, and also the compatibility issues, it's all built by the same vendor. Uh, it's all working together. Uh, it's not independent pieces of code. So this definitely helps to uh, stabilize your business and save you a bunch of time, you know, focusing on your product versus maintaining your e-commerce. Um, I do think back to, you know, let's wear another hat for a second and Jetpack stuff. Uh, so the, the, the thing is, and this is what I generally believe in, I think that the non-Jetpack products, uh, they will always... Let's say you start to talk about forms. So I think that the, the market leader in the form space will always produce a better product than Jetpack uh, because that's their company's core. They're experts in that field. They know it upside down. Uh, and in Jetpack, it's just one module out of many. So it doesn't really get the, you know, the treatment that the, the, uh, the company that is focused on that component can give that. Uh, so yes, Jetpack is going and already eating uh, a decent amount on the market share for, uh, let's call it newbies, 
okay? Or people that don't have time, like you said, I'm busy, I just want to spin something, and if it's enough, it's good enough, and I will run. But I don't think that, you know, companies will die. You will always have the, uh, the several, I don't know, top three leaders in every product vertical, uh, and they will continue growing in one way or another. Let's flip that to other uh, other companies that might be doing the same thing at La Jetpack. And to me, again, sort of like what you're doing, like it's all about the experience, right? So this experience should be easy. It should have all of the options, you know, developed under one roof. So there's only one, you know, as they say in the support field, there's only one throat to choke. It's just you. If something goes wrong, there's not 17 vendors they have to look at. Um, you know, I've seen this with with Elementor, right? Where Elementor has just skyrocketed to adoption, um, blowing past, you know, a lot of page builders that were out there before them. And it's like one feature after another, right? They just got into the gallery space. I, I, I expect they get into the form space, uh, you know, pretty soon. And, and not followed shortly after that will be e-commerce to some degree, like some basic level of selling a product, um, you know, and ultimately making a leap to a SaaS-based offering, right? Where they can control the whole experience and they just become a platform themselves. Um, you know, I, I just see this happening at, a lot of steps or stages in the market where a lot of people just have to own the entire experience. Um, I'm really concerned. This isn't, this is just a, a statement, not really a question. I'm just concerned for, you know, if you're not doing all the things for everyone, you are going to get passed, uh, you know, by, by, by a, a potential customer, right? They're going to look at you and say, well, you don't have 1700 other options for me. So I'm, I'm going to pick the person who does. And they're, and by the way, because they have mass volume, it's only 50 bucks compared to your 200. Um, I'm just kind of concerned where that whole movement of everyone wants to be a platform for good reason, but yeah, it's just a sure. general scare. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely challenging for sure. Uh, but I think, you know, once you start owning the, the infrastructure, let's call it that way. So like a page builder is the infrastructure for building your site, or in our case, freemius is the infrastructure for monetization, then naturally, when you grow, you, uh, you see opportunities, right? So just to give you an example, you know, we, we have uh, a big and growing audience of small business owners, those plugin and theme developers. So the amount of things that we can do with that community is enormous um, and it, it's like the hosting companies right we provide you the host but why not sell you things right now if we already have you right so the hosting companies are getting it right now it took them a while to get there but they're getting it into that and, and it's kind of natural transition uh, we all talk about that you know that you need to have a community to market your product. That's the number one thing that can separate you from the competition. So once you build that community, you slowly start to, uh, you know, add complementary things into your offering or additional, you know, upselling things to them. Uh, and it's kind of a natural move and shows that, you know, the market is maturing. And indeed, if you're sitting, you know, and you are kind of 
focused on this one product, one functionality, and you don't evolve into additional things, uh, you are doomed to die eventually. Right. Justin Jackson, who is a sort of a SaaS, uh, um, I don't know, aficionado, SaaS, a SaaS entrepreneur, I guess I should say, and he runs a, a company called Transistor.fm, which is a podcast hosting service. He's been on a, a pretty large rant uh, of late talking about when you're starting a business, it's, you know, the, the market is the most important, jump into a market that's already established and, you know, and you know, dust your hands off and that's the best way to start, which I agree with. But like you said at the top of the show, and like so many other entrepreneurs before, had you done that, you probably wouldn't have built Freemius the way it was built today. And while I admire his, you know, the analytical uh, viewpoint of, of that, I, I just don't know if, if you can always start a business like saying, build another form plugin, build another e-commerce plugin. I know it makes sense, but it just feels like sometimes when you come up with an idea as a creative entrepreneur, like, yeah, I know it's going to be tough because the market doesn't exist, but it's also a great way to learn, to adjust, and uncover a market. I mean, what are your thoughts? If, if, if you were to do it again, would you just start by looking at big market, jumping into that market, and going up against competitors feature for feature? So... Um... I'm thinking here. Uh, so, so generally, I agree with that approach that it's better to start a product in an existing market uh, instead of you know building that market around you and you need to invest a lot of resources into educational uh, stuff and all of that. Uh, and I, I've been asked about you know like Vova, I want to build a plugin or thing like. What, what should I worked on? A niche or a mass market solution? And my answer is, and it still remains the same answer, that you have a higher chance to build a larger business if you tackle an existing vertical that already have market leaders uh, and going for mass market and not going for a niche. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's, I'm a, first of all, if you're an entrepreneur and you're getting into product, you need to be in a position that you can build the best product in, in that vertical. You have to be in that position. If you can't really build the best product, there is no point to start with that at all. So assuming you can build the best product, in theory, all you need to do is to learn about the pains of the existing leaders, right? What are the pain points of their customers? Uh, what are the issues in the UI, UX, really get to know it inside out and build a product that have a better user experience. So I think that the key in today's products, whether it's digital products or physical products, it's user experience. Because when people, the, the, the experience of people buying products, especially if we're talking about, let, let's start with freemium. Uh, because that's easier when you have something to start with. When I'm, you know, choosing which product I want to install on my WordPress, I will just get a bunch of products. And the first one that it will be the easiest for me to configure and will solve the problem that I need to solve, that's the one that I'm going to end up using. 
I'm not going to continue you know, looking for other products. Obviously, I can also go and read reviews and all of that, but many people, this is how the behavior starts. You need to get your product discoverable and you need to get the product with the best user experience. I think that it's much easier. For example, let's take SEO. It's a mass market uh, product, generic product that every website needs, SEO. I think it's easier to start a new SEO plugin uh, and get, let's say, 5% market share. And that 5% market share will be 5% from the total WordPress market share versus starting a niche product in a market that is not exist yet, which means that you're starting with a 0% target audience and you need to you know, nurture and educate people just to think about maybe using your product from the first place. So th this is my thinking. And if you really want to build, you know, uh, th this is kind of my equation to build a decent size plugin theme business, choose an existing mass market vertical and build something better with a better user experience. That's the key. Yeah. Yep, it's it's certainly the way to go about it. Certainly one of the issues, um, or a, a a pretty big issue that most people face. Uh, I guess that you know sometimes just being somebody who has tried his hand at, at a few products here and there, um, it does make sense. It's just also I always look back at it as even though those products weren't a, a massive success, uh, I was able to learn a lot sort of along the way. And, and I feel that and at least from like the, from the entrepreneur side, which I guess is, isn't money in the bank. It's just like, Hey, I learned how to be a better entrepreneur. I learned how to be more either creative or communicative. The, the Dropbox before Dropbox existed. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I was able to learn all these things and probably wasn't the smartest way to go about it, but you know, sometimes I think it's uh, it's 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 all relative at, at the end. You know, it, it, um, it's easier to learn from mistakes versus learning from success. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. it's important to have them. Hey, speaking of SEO, did you, what do you think about the old animated GIF across all of the WordPress dashboards on the Black Friday sales? Uh, I understand. You know, I think it was a little too aggressive. Uh, and they could have done a better job. But generally speaking, I think, you know, it, it's a fair marketing stunt. Like, they've been bashed about that with, I think, more than 100 negative reviews. So that's a fair market, right? It's kind of like a free market. You try something, it's not working, you're going to get the feedback back from the community. Uh, so it's... It's like with everything in, in marketing or conversion rate optimization, right? Also, exit intent pop-ups are freaking annoying. That's what people can argue, right? On the other hand, they're proven to increase your lead generation by 700%. So it's working, right? So you, you always, you can make everyone happy. Uh, so the more aggressive you become, uh, you will you know, annoy more people. But on the other hand, there's a reason why Yoast did that. They made, I'm sure they made a lot of money from that ad. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's, uh, they, you let the free market uh, respond to it and you have the ability to do it. 
Number one, you let the free market respond to it. Like you said, a hundred or so uh, negative reviews. That's the fallout. Um, you know, but Hey, th- you know, this is uh, no one else is going to help you push your plugin and, and we're only working with what we're given. Right. We're working with WordPress and uh, I see both sides uh, of it because, you know, as somebody who spent uh, the first part of his WordPress product career, you know, trying to submit things into the WordPress repo, especially the theme repo five, six, seven years ago, however long it's been, uh, it was just, you know, you just got punched in the face left and right for, you know, for the, you, oh, you, you, you put your, you put your call to action in bold. We will not have that. <laughs> we will not have that in this theme. That will be removed, right? Back of the line for you. And it was just like, man, you, you just can't get in anywhere. And then, you know, obviously times have changed. But all right. Speaking of times changing, we talked uh, before we started recording. Um, you know, right now you're in this sort of growth phase. Uh, you're look, you're you're hitting some new challenges. Uh, you're looking for new ways of growth. Uh, what does that look like for you heading into the new year? What's the big uh, New Year's resolution that you're going to focus on to to keep moving the needle forward for Freemius? Yeah. Uh, so I would say that in the past two years, we've seen our uh, highest or quickest growth. And we're so hyper-focused on, you know, getting more and more customers, migrations, and all of that. We didn't have time to properly scale the team. Uh, So up until three weeks ago, we were still five team members. And we have hundreds of customers. So it is currently quite challenging, to be honest, you know, to maintain the same pace of product development, uh, and while still doing all the other things, including you know supporting our customers, our partners, and all of that. So in the past two or three months, my focus was hiring, hiring, and hiring. <laughs> uh, so we decided to pause product development until we scale the team. Uh, and right now our focus uh is supporting our existing customers. We even thought to kind of stop registration for a while and move it to a waiting list uh, because of the growth. Uh, I don't think we'll end up doing that because we did manage to hire two developers that ending their training um, by the end of this week. So I'm pretty excited. So the goal for uh, next year is, you know, to get back to uh, product development and continue growing the uh customers and scaling the, the team size together with our customer size. Uh, so from my end, it means, you know, unfortunately, I don't have time to develop as much as it was before in the past three, four months. I didn't, I almost didn't do any of that. Uh, and right now it, it's kind of, you know, transition for me, even though I was doing management and, and many other things before, but now I feel more of that. Uh, so we have, you know, many exciting things that we want to ship in 2020. Um, and yeah, now is, you know, working, preparing the team to be ready to, to continue supporting the existing customers and also delivering uh, all the cool things uh, that will help our partners to grow their businesses. One of the, uh, the my last guest, Jordan Gall, uh, of Carthook, which I guess provides a similar type of service, but for Shopify and big commerce customers. Um, um, 
you know, one of the things I really like that he did, and he's sort of been in business the same amount of time, roughly, is he sort of put this application process up front, right? Like you, you have to actually apply, you know, to work with Carthook. And, and your customer base is probably, you know, vastly different. The WordPress developer versus, you know, maybe the shop, Shopify merchandise uh, store owner or what have you. But I did like that thinking. And it's something that has really sort of just stuck in the back of my head um, because it's it's not always, you know, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but why does the consumer always have to have the choice? <laughs> you know, why why can't we, the business owner, have the choice to work with the customers we actually want to work with? And I, and I know we all have to pay the bills, so it doesn't make sense all the time. But I do like that thought process of you have to actually apply to work with us. Um, let's make sure that this is an absolute perfect fit. Uh, and especially in your case where you might be spending a lot of overhead, maybe doing migrations, educating the customer, um, you know, maybe the first 30 days, it's like, they're consuming all of your business content. And they're asking you questions. Hey, should I optimize this? Should I do that with my marketing message? And you find yourself really committing to the first front end of a customer, um, you know, where it might take you some time to make up on all of that cost. So uh, maybe something like that uh, would work, you know, where you where instead of, you know, closing it down and making a VIP list, you actually have to make people sort of apply and make sure that they're perfect fit. So we, we don't want to get into filtering people uh, let's call it that way. Uh, we do, like, we are saying no to people when we think that it's not a good fit. Uh, and actually, I had, I think, a month or two months ago, someone uh, uh, got into our uh, chat, our online chat on the website. And he was like, I want to sell something physical. I think whether it was like drop shipping or something. And I'm trying to explain to him, look, man, this is not for you. Like there are many other tools, use them. And he was so aggressively wanting to use freemium. So I, I had to push it hard. You know, like, no, you're not going to use it. It's not a good fit. So we are saying no, uh, but not in terms of like filtering based on, you know, like uh, size of the business or things like that. Uh, and like, to be frank, we paused migrations Uh so we did say no for uh, several big vendors in the past few months. So it's not no indefinitely. We just told them that, you know, uh, in the next few months, we're like we already had prior commitments and also we're growing the team. So we'll get there. So again, it's a good position to be at. But uh, one thing that I learned in all those migrations and sales in general, that uh, all those things are, uh, like the timing matters a lot. And if someone want to move to Fermius right now, it doesn't necessarily mean that in a month from now they will move, they will be interested to do that too. Because one of the things that I also discover during the process is that people usually migrate to alternative solution when they hit a pain point. Something that I say, no, no more. I'm tired of that. Okay. And it doesn't matter what you sell them and how your solution is amazingly 10 times better than the, uh, whatever they're using right now. The point that they will migrate would be interested to transition to your solution is once they will hit a big pain point that they will say no more. And the thing is, those pain points are temporary, you know, because right now I'm tired of that. But after two weeks, the pain is like time working and healing pains. So the pain, it won't be as hard as if it was uh, when it's happening. So time also matters a lot. 
So there is a risk for us that we may lose those customers. Uh, but like I said, it's part of the growth pains. Do you have anybody, and this will sort of be one of the, the final questions here, do you have anybody using Freemius in sort of a, an indirect way? Like, is there somebody not doing the typical WordPress product that you've allowed to use Freemius and it's yeah, kind of just an yeah. interesting model? Yeah, we, we have a uh, uh, developer that sells jQuery uh, modules, for example, with Freemius. Uh, we have a bunch of SaaS products also sold through Freemius. Uh, we have... What else? What other use cases? Uh, I, I'm typically I'm trying to say no when they're asking. Sometimes they, you know, they just integrate and start selling that. Uh, so we we can't really like control that. Um, cool, cool, Vova. This has been a pleasant episode. Even we though should we should do it more, to- man. <laughs> we should do it more. We should do it more. I got to stop having kids and we got to start getting to more word camps together so we can enjoy some more time. Um, where can folks find you to say thanks? Uh, so on Twitter, I am just Vova Feldman. Uh, just like my name, you can feel free to email me directly. V O V A at freemias.com. Uh, always happy to help when the context is right. Uh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do like Matt. Who is this guy? I don't know him. And then do a podcast oh. <laughs> after five years. <laughs> you had to, you had to slide that one in. I had. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so feel free to reach me via email uh, or Twitter or Facebook as well. I'm pretty available. Where's the next word camp you're going to go to so long as the uh, the airlines let you pass or the countries let you pass into their borders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, word camp Asia. We're pretty excited. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So we actually planning to uh, to bring uh, most of the team and do a little retreat there. So we already uh, booked this very cool boutique hotel right next to the venue. Uh, it's like a, like a theme hotel. So it has a... a a bunch of rooms. Every room has a different theme. So we're going to, uh, the plan is kind of work together on building the roadmap uh, for 2020. Well, if the Freemius team is listening, man, Vova's getting soft. If I ever heard him say that he booked a boutique hotel room, then you know that he's getting <laughs> soft in his old age. So, so I hope everybody on the Freemius team enjoys it. I hope you have a, a good trip over there. Thank you. Um, everyone else, it's MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe to join that mailing list. We'll see you in the next episode.